0: Welcome to Food Management's one-on-one with podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bazalka. Today I'm talking with Karen Bala, Director of Design for Dyer Brown, an architectural firm based in Boston that works with clients in multiple markets about the evolving office culture accelerated by the COVID pandemic's impact and how that affects the design of food service spaces and offices going forward. Karen, thank you for joining us today. Um, let me start by asking, um, what are the major changes you see for corporate workplaces in the post-COVID environment and how they'll affect the way food service is offered in offices?
1: Um, thank you, Mike. Um, so before I kind of answer that, um, I wanted to, to kind of set the table a little bit and just share a couple of experiences that I've been um, experiencing in the last several months, if not a, maybe actually a year now. Um, so I live in Portland, Maine, and mm-hmm. there are these experiences that I've had that just have helped crystallize some of my thinking around return to office and particularly food service at the office.
2: Mm-hmm. And one
1: of them is um, in, the, in the last several months, obviously, um, you know, Portland's uh, fishing industry is is very important to the restaurant scene
2: mm-hmm. and, and
1: vice versa. Um, and so what's happening now and what has um, transpired that has been beneficial to me and my family and a lot of uh, other folks in the Portland area is that now a consortium of fishermen have created a very simple website where you can order fish Fresh every day, and you can pick up at 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 uh, parking lots that they have partnered with. Mm-hmm. And so it it it's kind of helping the it's it's obviously helping the economy. It's obviously helping the fishermen. But what I point to really is this like supreme and optimal user experience. Right? It's mm-hmm. super convenient. It's contactless, and I still get fresh fish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so that is like one experience. And, I, and I'm sure there's many varieties or iterations like this that people are experiencing. And then the second um, experience is my community pool. Again, if you're a swimmer like me, you know what it's like to sit and shiver on a pool deck waiting for a swim lane. Mm-hmm. But here, my community pool, again, similar to the fishermen, where they created a very simple website. You reserve and pay for swim lane. And you, it's and literally your experience is from the street to a swim lane, mm-hmm. and so those like two very uh, frictionless experiences have just sort of really reframed the way a lot of us are thinking about going back to work. Right? It's like mm-hmm. it it has to be super super seamless and frictionless. Um, and so what I mean by that is. We've been waiting, at least I have. I have been watching surveys go out by um, organizations about their return to work and what people are feeling about return to work. And so, including my own, including my own office, we've mm-hmm. done our own survey and everyone wants flexibility. Right. And mm-hmm. so, in order to accommodate this flexibility, and again, these experiences that we've been having, like I've been having with my fishermen, with my community pool, all of these are like kind of pointing to this idea of like flexibility and this hybrid um, workplace.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: and, and, and in order to accommodate that, we have to manage flexibility through integrated technology. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is, you have a workplace, you know, you and I Mike, we might, we might choose to work on different days, but on the day that you and I decide to come together and our team of maybe 20 people are coming together, we're going to iterate, we're going to solve a problem, or we're going to launch a new product, we want our office to respond in a way that is productive for us. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I want to get on my app, I want to reserve a workplace, uh, I want to uh, for uh, an area for, us, for our team to work in. There's going to be 20 of us. I need A.V., uh, I need lighting, I need furniture, the different kinds of furniture that's going to allow us to be productive. And then I want food to be ordered, and I want it to be delivered because, you know, there's 20 of us, and we're going to spend the day together. Mm-hmm. So, so those kinds of, like, things that I'm seeing in, in workplace, Will only start to um, migrate into into food service and to these like larger enterprise cafeterias. Hmm. Um, and so, when you say what are those things that are going to affect food service, I really do think it's again. As if I go back to my two stories that I shared, it's like user experience will be top of mind. Like, please, like think through how. Our team will will come into that space, think through how we will order. Again, it's like that that contactless mm-hmm. um, experience. Um, you know, do I do I order food beforehand because I want to make sure? A, you and I, you might you and I are meeting together. We might have two different diets. We want to pre-order. We want to make sure it's going to be available to us. And the other thing that I think. Um, you know, that is, that's going to migrate from workplace to, to food service is this idea of, like, reserving a seat. Mm-hmm. You know, you and, I, you and I probably haven't seen each other in a while, and we want to go sit in a two-top, right, a two-seater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a particular view. I want to be on the north side looking at, you know, at a park, and I want to reserve that seat for us because we all know going into a cafeteria or a restaurant and it's uh, it's counter service. You could be walking around looking for a table, and that that experience is kind of um, frustrating, and, and sometimes it's, it's stress inducing because you want to sit and you want to have a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, these like ideas of reserving a seat, frictionless, contactless um, experience, I think are things that are coming from workplace, and will only. Transpire in, in food service, and and mind you, food service has been doing a ton of this already. Mm-hmm. So I think there's also a lot of cross pollination, um, as well as these technologies have been around too. So I think there's I think there's always going to be this like cross pollination between industries, between um, you know, uh, between ideas, really.
0: So what, what are the ramifications for these culture changes for the traditional company cafeteria with the big lunch rush and so forth? Is its day pretty much over? Oh, I don't
1: think so. Okay. Not, not, right. not, if, not, if, my, not if I continue to um, do the things I'm doing and I continue to be employed and mm-hmm. I continue to keep thinking about this, but I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the large cafeteria, I don't even think the the medium-sized cafeteria, its days are over. I think if anything, um, I think it might even expand in square footage um, because there's already so many things that are in these cafeterias um, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of technology, in terms of flexibility. it's already being built in, it's already part of its design. So I don't, I personally don't see it it, uh, minimizing in square footage, if anything Mm -hmm. I see is growing. And becoming a much more vital, uh, vital piece of of workplace identity and brand.
0: Are there any specific uh, infrastructure and design changes you see for dining spaces and offices that accommodate this changing workplace environment?
1: Mm, I think um, I think the things that I'm seeing and we'll probably see more of um, particularly in in, in dining um, is this robust um, HVAC mm-hmm. it's al- it's already there um but I think it will only get better and I think it there'll all there'll be more attention uh, being paid um to ventilation and air exchange, particularly in those areas. If people want to congregate there more, I definitely see that happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And also this idea of technology. You know, I keep saying that and it is a a super broad word, um, but I think the thing that we'll start to see um, in these dining spaces are, are sensors um like utilization sensors that are actually located at seats and tables Mm
2: -hmm. um
1: so it can start to measure you know how many people are really sitting at these two tops um you know how many people are really sitting um in these banquettes um and it could also you know these pieces of technology could also start to alert um housekeeping in terms of you know it, this area needs to be cleaned, or mm-hmm. this area needs furniture. Um, and so, I think I think there's already some things that are there that can always, you know, kind of make it better.
0: We're certainly seeing um, growth of technologies like remote ordering and so forth. Um, how key a role do you see things like that playing in uh, work, future workplace um, dining?
1: Mm. I definitely think. Um, Remote ordering, contactless technologies, more specifically, um, you know, will be made much more robust. Um, and also, again, you know, if, it, if it's the sensors and beacons that are being installed, I also think, um, you know, tabletop hardware.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So people know if, you know, if is taken or if it's being reserved. Um, I think, I think. Sometimes we need more than just our app to tell us that we reserve the seat. Sometimes we need to see it visually and we need, you know, different signifiers um, to show that a table is available or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I think there's also another piece that I've been kind of um, tracking is this idea of not just user experience of a, of a dining um, Space, but also in terms of inventory, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, which is <laughs> very—it's um, not the most exciting thing in the world. But you know, uh, enterprise clients need to track all of their inventory and equipment. You know, all their furniture and um, and all of their uh, SF&E. Um and so. This is also a way of, of tracking, putting tags on chairs, so you know you actually have a thousand versus you know eight hundred and fifty. Um, and if and if you're missing some, where are they located in the space? Um, so I I think there's a a lot of things I think that's that um, that so uh, a microcosm of so many technologies coming together in in these spaces. Um, that's that's pretty
0: exciting to me. What about the location of dining space? I mean, traditionally um, they've been located in various points in office facilities. Is the new culture going to require uh, more concentration on where dining space is located?
1: Um, you know, I I don't think so. I mean, other, other folks could have a different opinion on that. Um, Obviously, I think if it's in a, a, a suburban campus park, it, you know, the ground floor is always optimal. There's so much logistics there that, that just is so helpful that, to be on the ground level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easily accessible, um, and there's so many things that you can plan around a ground, um, a ground space, mm-hmm. meaning you could really design the landscape and really really, uh, you know, create that inside-outside um, experience because you can control the ground. You can, con- you know, con- you can design the landscape around that space. Um, but I would always, whether it's within a, an urban sky rise or a suburban campus, I would always place the cafeteria, you know, whether it's north-facing or even east-facing, you um, you know, in an urban skyrise, I think the, the most important thing, maybe not location as much as wayfinding.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, how to get there, uh, how to tell people how to get there, um, and you know, what should they expect at every at every intersection point? How do I get to that cafeteria that could be on the on the 16th floor? Um, and what are the expectations? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, meaning, uh, am I a tenant? Can I go there? Uh, am I a visitor? Can I go on the 16th floor or 25th floor to eat? Um, can I be someone off the street? Um, you know, so I think there's, I think there's uh, a lot of branding and wayfinding that needs to kind of happen um, in conjunction to designing the space, just to make sure that you know people get there, but also to signal who can go there. Um, mm. And then again, you know, in an urban um, skyrise, I would always try and plan the cafeteria. So, A, it's around city views if it's possible. My favorite is always north facing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You get diffused light. It's never hot. Um, and it's never, you know, the sun's never too, um, sometimes when, when it's a setting winter sun, sometimes it burns and it's hot. Um, so that's, that's what I would do.
0: Well, finally, um, the role of on-site dining in corporate facilities traditionally has included not just a simple mission of feeding the staff, but it offers also a space to collaborate and socialize and build company culture. Is this, in this current environment, still important? And if so, um, how can dining spaces continue to serve this mission in terms of how they're designed? Mm, That's a good
1: question. Well, I definitely think, and I think I have spent, you know, a good portion of this talk just <laughs> just expounding how much I think the, the the dining spaces are going to grow and they're going to stay and they're going to be more vibrant. Mm-hmm. But I think in order to make them much more robust and and usable, right? They need to be super usable for everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think I would consider more um, more seating options and different seating options. Um, certainly tables and chairs that are dining height, um, but I would, I would even do a variety of that, you know, um, maybe, maybe design, um, tabletops that could be multiple, you know, two tops are great, uh, four tops are great, sometimes a team can sit together, um, you know, so I think being able to, um, have your team sit down but also to have a a quiet conversation I think needs to be addressed also. Um, If it's not dining height maybe standing height so people can come and grab something quick to eat Um, or honestly if you see a colleague eating it might not it might be more inviting um, to have a quick conversation at a standing height table versus um, you know a dining height uh, providing different kinds of booths. Um, you know, sometimes people like to work at booths. Sometimes meetings happen at banquets. Um, so I think, and also those who like to sit alone, um, or or those who like to eat at different hours than, say, the noontime or one o'clock um, lunch hour. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you want to take a call or sometimes you want to read a book, and I think those need to be, you know, those kinds of um, seating arrangements also needs to be planned for. Um, so, and then obviously I think acoustics always needs to be part of the equation. Um, I think, you know, you can you can plan acoustics in many ways, but I think it needs to be top of mind. Um, you know, also... If if these spaces are meant to be um, used outside of um, working hours, if there's an event space, certainly flexible wall configurations could help too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would certainly help in, in terms of coat check, in terms of catering services, um, just having places to stage. Um, and then I think the last thing that, um, you know, we've experimented with, in my office is this idea of uh, of multi tiered platforms. If you have the ceiling height, it could be um, it could be beneficial to start to plan and give your space some topography. So, in, in the event that you do have a a lecture or an event that you have a speaker, it would be nice to kind of give them a little bit of a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for sight lines. So, I think I think those are. I think those top four are things that one can start to incorporate to make their space much more robust and usable
0: for everyone. Well, Karen, thank you so much for giving us your insights today.
1: Thank you, Mike. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of One on One, a food management podcast. This week's episode was written and recorded by Mike Bazulka and was produced by me, Holly Petri. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe.